Um, Ow, I'm like sitting on Legos. Okay, awesome. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Race Day Coasted Podcast, where I'm your host, Ray, and my co-host, Cubby, who will be turning four this month. That's so crazy. I cannot believe he's about to be four. Like, time is a thief. Cannot believe we're a four-year-old. And we have Miss Lenora Edwards back again for part two of our Better Speech series. We are so happy to have you back, Miss Lenora. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm so glad to be here with you. And Cubby, happy almost birthday. <laughs> are you going to wave? No, not now. Controls are on. Later, we'll get a wave. So for this episode, we wanted to follow up. The first episode, we talked about infants, newborns, and like preschoolers. And so we wanted to continue down that lifetime line and do um, middle schoolers and high schoolers. So we definitely want to make sure that we're covering that kind of like primitive educational scope, right? So Miss Lenora, I definitely want to say my first question, it was so hard for me to just really think about it, right? Because Cubs is a, he's three. And so I was like, man, forward thinking if you have a child who obviously Cubby has a speech delay, but they don't have a speech delay, what are the chances or is it common for them to meet their speech milestones as a preschooler, but then develop a speech challenge later? And it's completely possible, especially I know when you're thinking about Cubby, <laughs> where his, his language is and he has so much inside. It's just that expressive component where it's coming out in different pieces and different amounts, which is phenomenal. When it comes to middle schoolers or even uh, elementary, think like eight, nine years old. So technically they may have their speech and language skills. They may be able to express their wants and needs and, Hey, I want to watch trolls or um, I want some apple juice or, Hey, can I go outside? They may absolutely be able to do that. But language is also much more complex than just expressing our thoughts and our wants and our needs. So when it comes to middle schoolers and high schoolers, they can actually present with a delay in their processing, their delay in their sequencing of information. So think like, oh, what did you do this weekend? And you ask your 10-year-old what they did this weekend. And they have their language skills, but they can't actually tell you what they did this week and that memory component, that sequencing and processing of what did I do and who was I with and where did I go and bringing that forward. But also we even see it as in, hey, how do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Or tell me about the movie that you saw. So we do see it come up in other ways. So they have that vocabulary. They are just having a difficult time processing the complex questions you're we're asking of them or the complex commands we're asking of them and actually executing on it. So when you say that, that recalls a really rusty ancient memory in my brain of doing like sequencing stories. And I think one of them was like a PB&J or one is like how to tie your shoes. And it would be little, I want to say like little like picture stories that we had to put together in order. It never dawned on me that that was for a purpose. I was just like, okay, maybe we just have these cute little books and then we give them to our parents. Um, and so it's so interesting that you say that because it connects a very distant memory because there was an activity we were doing and I had no idea why we were doing it. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times when you're communicating with a child who may be in middle school or high school and um, 
you're trying to have a dialogue with them, it can seem almost as if they don't want to tell you, which that could also be a possibility. And that can be overlooked as, okay, no, there's actually um, a challenge for them to be able to express that. So I think that is so great that you mentioned that because that's something that's very overlooked. <laughs> Completely. And, and you pointed out such a, a great piece of information that, oh, they do get brushed off because they're a tween or they're a teenager. And, oh, it's just how they are. Or, oh, they don't want to tell me about their day. And it gets brushed off as in they have an attitude problem or this is kind of expected versus they're actually having difficulty and they don't know how to tell you they're having difficulty. And I see a lot of little uh, little ones, not so little at 10 and, and 12 and 14 and 15 years old, but they'll say common phrases like, yeah, you know, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fun. And it's, it's language, absolutely. But it's what I like to refer to as filler words. There's not a lot of content in there. Or if you say, tell me about this game that you're playing and they should be able to tell you what they're doing in the game or how Roblox works or how uh, Super Mario works. They should be able to tell you, oh, well, I create the game and this is where I go to find these coins and this is where I go to do this and being able to share with you. So I really love to encourage people, you know, especially from a very early age, when those language skills are going in to pause the game, to pause the movie, to pause whatever it is, ask questions about it because especially when we watch a movie or we watch tv or something on our phone or playing a game it can be very passive there's not a lot of active integration and we can absolutely you know they're they're magical boxes for a reason and our attention just gets completely drawn into this hypnotic component of i'm fully consumed in this point and now i don't even know what happened so when you pause the game or when you pause the movie and you ask your child questions or you ask the, the the kids that you're with, oh, what are you noticing? Who are they with? Where are they? And you have this general conversation. Oh, you know, I they're outside. I don't know. I think I think Sully's gonna get gonna come over out of the woods and find Mike Wazowski. What do you think's gonna happen? And offering what you think will happen, but also asking what do you think will happen? And as you do, it allows them to realize it's not just one possibility. They have a thought, I have a thought, and then there's something else that might actually happen in the movie. Or even while you're reading a book to pause and interact and ask questions. What do you think will happen next before we flip the page? Or, oh, what happened three pages ago? What happened to the fish? And asking questions to see if they're able to recall that information they just read, but also to pace that information forward saying, okay, A plus B equals C. This might be what happens. And offering that dynamic thought flexibility really is so encouraging and it offers such great growth in their vocabulary, but also in their thought processing. Wow. So when you said like, stop, like pause the video or the movie, um, we do that sometimes with Cubby, right? And sometimes we'll see like this huge like reaction, like, mm -hmm. no, put my show back on. Like I want to watch Trolls. Um, but then it also gets him to the point where um, he'll start playing sequence sequencing games, where it's like, okay, where did the num where did the number blocks go first? They went here, and they went to the pirate ship, and then they're teaching them beginning, middle, and end. And I think awesome. that is so great because you're being taught that from a young age, and hopefully, 
that won't be a challenge like when you do hit middle school or, or high school what's up maybe <laughs> yeah um let's not take our clothes off <laughs> let's not do that um well, the nice thing is, is that Cubby actually just interrupted you just as you were talking to that. You were inter going to interrupt him during his videos. So that's a beautiful component of mirroring and matching. When, um, when we do interrupt those video games or when we do break their attention from something specific, the nice thing is, is that we can practice regulating their emotions, especially when he's going, no, 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 no. I want to do this. You're going, okay. I hear you, but we're going to do this and then we'll come back to this or we're transitioning to something else because sometimes we do have to transition quickly and we don't always get to stop and pause and wait until then you are ready. So it does come with practice. And the nice thing is that we can do it intentionally and reinforce it in a positive way. So when you're, pra when you're interrupting them from a movie or a game and you're asking them questions, you can you can ask them questions, but you're also practicing that they can go forward into transitioning into something else, and the world will not need to have a meltdown. <laughs> um, it would help with sequencing if it's definitely an activity or a um, interest of that child, right? Like you would have a better you would completely. have better success. Completely. Like, oh, hey, I know you don't like Star Wars, but let's do sequencing for Star Wars. And they're just like, uh, actually, let's do Roblox. You know? Completely. Trying to make sure you're still getting what you need and they're still interested and want to contribute to what you have going on. Absolutely. And you said that so beautifully, especially when it comes to reading. And, and I hear this a lot, you know, oh, they just don't like reading. And it's, and it's I, what I like to often say is like, I completely follow you on that. Let's find a way to get them to enjoy reading. So whether it becomes a special time for you two to sit down or you make it an intentional practice to go to the bookstore or find a library or find something where they're having fun, when you can connect and make that component of reading and something fun to do, you're going to have way, way more success. So just like you're saying, okay, well, if you don't like Star Wars, then they're probably not going to focus on this. That's a great point because when they can focus on something they enjoy, if it is Roblox, great. Find a way to make it fun. Find a way to make that connection for them rather than forcing them into something that they really don't want to do because then everybody's not going to be happy. Some sort of level of um, compromise will be needed. Totally, totally. And that's, it's a great thing too, because they're able to execute on and, and declare, I have choice. I want to do something specific. And you're saying, okay, great. I love that you have a choice. And here's, here's how we're going to blend them together. And you're showing them balance and you're showing them give and take and understanding and how to merge things and make them fun or as much fun as possible. What, and I think now just the level of access that we have with technology, there are so many different versions of things, right? So with Cubby, his show is Number Blocks. Number Blocks has little figurines. They have a TV show. They have activity books. They have actual like reading books, like all these different materials geared toward his 
something that he's passionate about. So I think that makes it so much easier for me as a parent or just like a caregiver or even a speech pathologist to really hone in on that child's individual what is it? Their individual like desire. Likes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Their individual preferences completely. And that's what I love about better speech is that when we are working with you, when we have, when we're online with you, yeah. we're able to be a part of your space and you get to show us what you like. So Cubby loves trolls right now, which is great. And so that way we can tailor it to trolls and he can show us something that's going on in his home and a part of his life versus if we were in a clinic and I was like, oh, okay, nothing you like is here, but we have stuff to do. Like we need to, we need to participate. It's much nicer the fact that he's already at home in his own comfortable space with his most familiar toys, but also then because of my skill set, I know where we can find entertaining games and entertaining things to keep him engaged to get the most out of our speech therapy session. So it really is a beautiful balance of and an integration of both worlds. I, I love that better speech is so ingrained and not only, you know, the skill set that you guys have, but what the child and the family is interested in, because I think that makes for such a better pairing. Right. Um, a lot of times we've encountered um, situations where they have a specific way of doing things. They only want to do it their way. I know your child is interested in this, but we're going to do it this way. And it just never, it's like oil and water. Every Completely. Time. Completely. Every time. Oh, okay. thank you. Some common traits, maybe physically or um, developmentally or educationally that we see within children, aside from like sequencing or. Some common things that we see is they'll start a story and then they'll trail off or they'll bounce from topic to topic and not ha have the ability to maintain the topic. We quite literally call it topic maintenance. Yeah. Can they stay on the topic for at least three turns, five turns? And what does that look like? Okay. So if we talk about, um, tell me about your birthday. Can they stay on topic about your, about a birthday or a birthday time, whatever it was, yeah. a birthday gift? Can they ask you questions about a birthday? So being able to have that back and forth balance and move that conversation forward is so important. Yeah, I can I can imagine. I think um, sometimes I feel like when I've encountered children, their thought process is so fast. They jump from topic to topic. So how would you know the difference of them just hopping from topic to topic because their interest um, and their um, focus is so short as opposed to them not being able to fully express an idea um, in full detail? That's a great question, especially because we are a very fast moving culture. We are constantly going and going and we don't necessarily realize it because we are distracted oh so frequently by these other things. So we're used to being distracted. Yeah. The best thing to do is if you're having a one-on-one -on -one with a child or you're, you're working with them, you're interacting with them, whatever the case may be, if you notice they really are darting around and you're like, it catches you off guard quite literally. Cause you're thinking this, this, where did, how did we just get here? That's the first clue. What you also want to look for is 
hey, how was your day? And as you're talking to them, whether you're driving in the car or it's across the table or you're sitting on the couch together, you want to notice how they're weaving their conversation. Are they able to tell you about their day? Are they able to ask appropriate questions? Hey, where's so-and-so in the family? Where's the dog? Or to be able to maintain that topic, especially if there's a pet around, Oh, what do you think they're thinking? Oh, where, where are their toys? And if they're going back and forth and not being able to focus on the pet yeah. or focus on the topic, if they're not able to maintain it and you, you're noticing hmm, good 30 seconds, 60 seconds, they're moving pretty quick through these topics, it will quite literally tax your brain. So it's something to it's something to focus on because you're going to question it and, and it'll be a blip on your radar going, is this normal? Wait. Oh, you're over here now. And that is something to pay attention to. We should be able to maintain a conversation. We should be able to engage with an animal or to engage with other people for an extended period of time. So if you're noticing these hops around or do you remember the movie um, Up with Doug? The Doug, Doug was the dog and he was talking and then all of a sudden squirrel. That's a really good red flag to say, uh, something isn't quite right. And if that's the case, no problem. That's why there are speech pathologists. That's why there's teachers. That's why there's educators. Because we're also not only are we trained in how to cultivate that, yeah. we're also trained to watch for that. So when your teacher teachers come to you and say, hey, you know, I'm concerned that you're having a lot of trouble focusing in class, or they're talking about a variety of things, they're not paying attention to brush it off very quickly and say, oh, they're just not interested. That may be true, but it also warrants your attention to really look at it and say, well, can I do this with them? What What's happening in school? What's happening in other classes? Especially because a majority of the time, educators, teachers, people who are there with your children are there because they want to be. They had a calling to to work with children and they want what's best for them in, instinctively, aside from ethically and morally. But this is why they do what they do. This is why they do what they do. And it is so important to to notice that and to not write every teacher off as, oh, they're just on a power trip. It's not the case. And for a greater majority of the percentage of the time, they're wanting what's best for your child and they're wanting to help you in any way that they can. And then I feel like a lot of times too, there's this automatic defense when anyone brings up a, a difference or a concern about your child, right? There's like this instinctive protective wall that you put up, right? But a lot of times if somebody is noticing something else from the outside, there's always a way to kind of check if that's valid for your situation. Because it would put you on alert for you to notice if you're seeing the exact same things, right? Like where your child jumping and skipping around would be so normal to you. It would be something that you pay more attention to, right? And you're just like, Completely. okay, I do see what they're talking about. Completely. It's truly, truly important to understand. And I, I parents will come to me in that panic state of something's wrong, we need to fix it right now. And I'm like, it's okay. You did nothing wrong. There's, we're doing a phenomenal job the entire time. This yeah. is simply where we are and where can we go from here? And I love that you pointed that out because if hum, a human response to have these emotions, 
but it's also very, very important to understand there's no judgment. Definitely. And then also using, feeling your emotions, but not letting your emotions make executive life-changing decisions for you, right? Because awesome, we're feel so strongly about a stigma that would come with speech therapy. So you refuse to get that for your child you're actually hindering and hurting them in a way that if you were truly aware of it, you would not even opt into that being a choice. So I definitely want to, that's just with anything, making sure you're not making permanent life-changing decisions based off temporary emotions, because how you feel five minutes from now is not guaranteed you'll feel that way another five minutes from now or 30 minutes from now, right? Like your feelings are fickle, they change. (laughs) (laughs) Completely, completely. I couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> so just making sure that when, as as you are a parent or just a human in this world, that you are making decisions out of love and the utmost protection, but in a healthy way for those around you, right? And also taking into consideration what they would want, because you don't know if they want to be a professional speaker. You don't know if one day they're going to have to tell their story or like be on a podcast like me. Shout out to my parents. Um, you just never know. And I know my older brother, um, my parents got him speech therapy at a very early age. And I thought that was so awesome to see. Like he used to stutter. And so as he got older, it no longer was a, a huge factor in his life. It was something he was over, able to overcome because my parents decided to choose, you know, a, not to use their emotions in that moment and to make a, a better choice. Mm-hmm. Completely. And and to not look at it as, no, my child's perfect versus, yeah. oh, okay, how else can I help and love and support my child? Absolutely. I actually didn't go to speech therapy until I was about 12 years old and I had a tongue thrust and I would sit and watch TV like this. My tongue would just pour right out of my mouth. And even when I was in class, I would sit there and watch the teacher. My tongue just came forward. And when they looked at the speech therapist that was in the school, I did not qualify for services because it wasn't a massive difficulty. I wasn't having difficulty communicating. This is what you would consider a minor components. So we did go for outpatient speech therapy. This is long before online speech therapy was a thing, but we went for outpatient speech therapy services and we were able to improve because my parents noticed that something was wrong and took the time to say, okay, no problem. We're going to, we're going to love and support you through this. And this is simply where we are and what we're going to do right now. I was a thumb sucker for years, years. So my swallowing, when I would, my my tongue came forward. When we swallow, our tongue is usually in position and comes up and back. When my thumb was in my mouth, my my tongue would thrust forward to swallow. So I learned to swallow in a totally different pattern than normal because I was sucking my thumb. Man, I... Um... That's not even something I would think of. I know. Um, it, it's just so many different things that um, speech just seems to help rectify or help strengthen. And just realizing that um, Kim gets PTOT, speech, ABA, all the things, right? We have like a full jam pack schedule because of him. Um, and with that, you love your child the most 
when you help them with their challenges. Like, I, I just feel like you love them the most in that moment. Okay. Right? Like, I, my schedule wouldn't look the way it looked if I didn't love Cubby. <laughs> I would have tons more free time. But I love him the most to where it's like, okay, these are the things that will help you strengthen. I know this is a season of life. This may not be permanent, but okay, let's sacrifice a little bit of time here so that this could be greater. Awesome. Let's do it. Like, I love that you said it was, it's a season. And I, and I, my, I did not think of that until a couple of years ago when I was talking to um, a very dear friend who happens to also be a colleague of mine. And she pointed out it's a season of life. And I, I was like, wow, it just resonated so deeply with me. And you're so right. It's a season. And we often think from now until the end of time. And this is how it'll always be. And that's not the case. That's such a convincing thought. I think that um, not breaking it down and realizing that where you are is temporary and their highs and lows of life. It, it's so just daunting to just feel like, oh, this is always going to be this way, right? Like, I'm 30 now. It's going to be this way. So I'm like 60. So I'm 70. You know, like it, it will just make you so sad and depressed and feel defeated. But if yeah. you're like, okay, this is a season of life. I feel like for me, my mind naturally translates back to the four seasons that we have. Right. And not necessarily that. meaning that it's going to be three months. I would love if some things were just like three months about it. Like you're good to go. Um, but just realizing like, okay, there's something that you're learning here. And there's something that's refining you here in this process, right? Like before you can get to middle school, you have to finish like elementary and before high school, you know, all these different precursors that you go through that are seasons so that when you get to the next stage, you're more prepared, hopefully. And I just, the more we talk about speech, the more that I see that it goes into all these different elements of life. That's why I'm so happy to do a series with you because we all are going through all these different seasons. Completely. And it's not us, it's gonna be our children, our family members, our friends. Mm -hmm. Like this nation is for everybody. Miss Lenore, you are literally so amazing. So absolutely amazing. Like you are so amazing. Have you met you, Ray? No, not not today. Not today. Not today. You are. You are absolutely radiant. Um I was trying to keep it together.